What's going on, everyone? Coach Daniel Diaz here with you guys again for episode seven of the Breaking Barriers Basketball Podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by a good friend of mine here in the Virginia Beach area, Coach Matt Ferriel. I met Coach Matt Ferriel through uh, mutual friends in the Filipino basketball community here in Virginia Beach. Um, Throughout the years I've gotten to know Coach Matt, I've learned just how much of a basketball junkie um, he is, and I quickly realized that he is someone I could learn so much about the game from. Coach Matt and I have an inspiring conversation talking about how growing up in Indianapolis shaped his love for basketball, his personal journey, living with a heart transplant, and the impact basketball has made in his life on and off the court. Here's my conversation with Coach Matt Ferriel. Thank you, Coach Matt, for for joining me for today's episode. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Um, how have you been doing these past few months during this pandemic? <laughs> how have you been doing these past few months during this pandemic? Uh, I've been pretty good. Uh, can't complain too much. Um, just trying to keep a level head for the most part. <laughs> you know things. Things being thrown out of uh, thrown out of whack here, but um, mm-hmm. it seems like it it, it it never stops. But you know, we'll adjust. Yeah, for sure. Um, have you been keeping up with college basketball and these past couple of weeks and all the NBA news with the preseason starting this past this this weekend and the regular season starting up in a couple of weeks? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's so much going on in, in the world of basketball. It's hard to keep up, and and most of what's being talked about is taking place off the basketball mm-hmm. court, you know, mm-hmm. player movements, trades, yep. this, that, and the other. But, uh, yeah, it's good. it's good to see basketball back and hopefully, you know, you know, we will get back to having fans back in, back in the arena soon. Yep. Exactly. It's funny. Cause, uh, I was actually at our basketball game for our, uh, for Catholic high school. And at the end of the game, I saw your message. You were one of the first ones to tell me about the John Wall trade because, you know, I'm a big D.C. Um, fan. So <laughs> that was <laughs> it was uh, definitely a shock to see on my phone when, when I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's uh, you know, it seems like, you know, so, you know, someone's always on the move, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you least expect it, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, during this pandemic, during this time, you know, during quarantine and kind of just having time to yourself, have you been able to get into like other interests or hobbies you may have been holding off before the pandemic? Um, not really. Uh, what I did is that uh, I completed my master's degree in project management over the summer. Nice. And and uh, I've been continuing my cardiac rehab. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you know, just, you know, trying to stay healthy and safe plus being extra cautious as, as much as possible, mm-hmm. you know, trying to read a little bit more, trying to, you know, see what business trends are, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and, and possibly, you know, possibly, you know, taking another college course just to, just to get my feet wet in the, in the something. Okay. Do you have any, uh, what's, what, what are you kind of leaning towards if, if you have something? Well, I was, I was looking at uh, a class in sports, in sports management. Okay, okay. And, um, and, you know, Old Dominion University is offering that class. So hopefully I'll be able to take it as, you know, as a non-degree-seeking student since I have my master's degree already. Yeah, so. yeah. No, yeah, for sure. For sure. So so I did want to get you on this on this podcast, and I actually contacted you a long time before. Um, actually, I think I started the first episode, but I just wanted to get an okay from you, um, to get lined up as a guest because, um, as I've gotten to know you, 
um, throughout the throughout the past couple of years since I moved down to Virginia Beach, really, um, I've realized how big of a, a hoop junkie you are. Um, and one who not only knows the game inside out, but also the trivial facts and information that comes with it. Um, how did your love for basketball come about? And when did you realize that basketball was going to be like a big staple in your life, not only as a fan, but as a coach as well? Well, for me, you know, growing up uh, in Indianapolis, that's pretty much all that every kid was doing everywhere <laughs> I looked. And I wanted to see what the fuss was all about. And so by the time I turned 12, you know, I was fully invested in the game. I became infatuated with every aspect of the game, from the sounds of the game to being mm. a fan to being a student of the game. So everything, you know, everything about it, you know, and it allowed me to see what other opportunities were out there involved in the game. And I have a lot of fun with it. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. And that was actually going to be my next question about growing up in Indianapolis. How was that like basketball culture? Like, so I've met a couple people from there and they're huge basketball fans and they're just saying it's just like a whole different feel. Like, how is that different than other places, uh, especially like down here in Virginia beach? What's, what's kind of the main vibes that you kind of feel? Well, have you ever seen that, that T-shirt that says ball is like? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically that's what it is up in Indiana. <laughs> Basketball is like up there in Indiana. I mean, practically everyone everyone you talk to is or was involved in basketball in some way, shape, or form. Mm. Um, some some people call it a craze, but up there, you know, it, it's not a craze because it's craze is only temporary. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Every every time you should go out to the mall or or a restaurant, you see someone wearing a high school basketball T-shirt <laughs> of some kind, or a hooded sweatshirt, or something like that. Yeah. And you know, for the last five years, for each of the last five years, the governor of Indiana would declare a certain day to be de designated as Basketball Day in Indiana. Oh wow! I mean, where else in the, where else in the country does that happen? Yeah, no, I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, all like what happened is that all over the state of Indiana, there are grade school and middle school games that happen in the morning, mm -hmm. and oh, then yeah. high school games happen in the afternoon, mm -hmm. and then the college games come in on the late afternoon, the evenings, and then the Pacers cap the day off at at home wow. at Sanctified Fieldhouse. That's so that's awesome. a, usually on a Saturday, and that have that's a yearly thing. It's a yearly thing, yes. Wow, I've never heard of that before. That's like what you said. I don't think I can picture anywhere else where that happens. So you can picture probably, you know, if total basketball games at, at all levels, probably at over a hundred games that day, <sighs> at least. Yes. Wow. Because you know the. They they would even broadcast these games on you know Fox Sports over there in Indiana, mm -hmm. you know to give you an idea of how crazy it is over there in Indianapolis. I remember in 2016 that Bankers Life Fieldhouse hosted 52 high school, college, and NBA games in a two month period. Wow, and that's a that's a lot of basketball for the junkie there. Yeah, no, for so, sure. Wow, that. I can't even imagine the 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 behind the scenes scheduling and travel to getting that right. Like, man, that sounds like a that sounds like a headache. But well, if you're not doing that, that sounds like a lot of fun when you're when you're part of the basketball action. 
Oh yeah, I mean, you know that the NCAA is headquartered there in Indianapolis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, when 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 the Final Four is there, you know, downtown Indianapolis is like a huge, you know, poop town. Mm, you know, yeah. even even the ho- one hotel even put a giant basket on the side of its building. Oh wow, that's <laughs> awesome. That's that really is like yeah. you said. That really is Baller's life over there. That's that's the epitome of that right there. That's awesome. Absolutely. So switching gears a little bit, um, along with being a basketball coach, um, you're also one of the uh, officials at the ODU game that um, that works a scorers table. How did you get into that position? Like, how did you uh, kind of find your way in there? Well, um, about three months after I was released from the hospital. I went to the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament that takes place at Churchland High School. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I walk in, you know, before a game, and I went to say hello to the official scorekeeper who was doing the games at, at the PIT. Mm-hmm. And first, when I make eye contact with him, I shake hands. He doesn't ask how I'm doing. He says, hey, do you want to take the uh, – <laughs> You, do you want to be the official scorekeeper, you know, for men's basketball at ODU? I want to retire. And I said, sure, I'll do it. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> so it, it was that quick. He had been doing it for 42 years. Wow. For, for men's and women's basketball. Wow. And um, I remember my first game last year. Um, I remember just before the game started, you know, Jeff Jones, who's the coach of Old Dominion. Yeah. You know, he shakes hands with all all the people at the scores table, and he comes up to me and he smiles and he laughs and says, "You got some big shoes." To I was fill, just about friend. to say that. Forty-two years, you got some big <laughs> shoes to fill for sure. <laughs> yeah, I I actually had people walk by after after that game asking me, you know, so you're the guy that replaced so and so. Yeah. I said, well, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. So, how's that experience been so far? I mean, it's been kind of tough as far as um, the the second part of the season last year, or not even the second part, just the tail end of the season last year. Um, but overall, how how was everything when you while you were able to um, do all that in the in the in the in the right atmosphere? <laughs> oh, in the right atmosphere. Well, I, I mean, I've been I've really had a blast doing doing that, mm-hmm. um, getting to see some really good basketball getting to know the ins and outs, you know, of how to, how much goes into scorekeeping mm-hmm. for, for a college game. And there's a lot, there's, a, there's really a lot more that goes into it. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's been fun. And, uh, you know, we got started here last month in a different atmosphere, yeah. but, uh, it, it took, it's, it took some time to adjust, but, uh, you know, we're making good with it. Awesome. That's great to hear. Um, so over the summer, um, about about a couple months ago, a few months ago, I got into collecting NBA basketball cards uh, so just so I could have something to pass on to my son, my 13-month-old right now when he gets older. Um, I, oh, wow. Yeah, so I, I kind of got into it, not really into it, but I kind of got into it as far as understanding how cool basketball cards were when I was – a. I, it was around 2000 or 2001. Whenever the NBA All Star Game was in Washington D.C., um, my parents mm-hmm. took me and my brother there to All Star Weekend. Um, oh wow! Yeah, on Sat. We, we didn't get to watch the the um, 
the it was a it was a Saturday, so it was a slam dunk contest, three point contest and stuff. But it was like we went to the festivities thing. So like everywhere you would go, they would give you. It was like the thing where you could like take shots of uh take take some basketball shots or like compare your size to like different NBA cutouts and like see the memorabilia and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and then like everywhere you would go, people were just handing basketball cards. Like well, the 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 staff, <laughs> the staff was handing packets of basketball cards, and we just had uh, like like two three bags of just basketball cards and here i am i was like in oh, kindergarten wow. or like first grade not knowing who any of these guys were except for michael jordan because he was on the wizards at that time and like rupert richard hamilton or like chris weber and those were like the only ones i was just so young and i was only open mm-hmm. i only really remember the um, the dc athletes um but just seeing that was like just like even seeing it when i got older like man i remember this time and these cards are so cool then i started to get um I started to get informed or like re- do some research. I'm like, oh man, like this is actually like a huge collectible thing. And I never really got into it just because I think collecting all that stuff, it's, it's kind of stressful. And I kind of, that's kind of what's got me right now. <laughs> um, it's just cause you always want the best thing and the rare or whatever. But, um, but so I, like it kind of just went to the, um, to, to the back burn a little bit. But like I said, having my son mm-hmm. made me want to want to get back into it. Um, and what I didn't know is how much of a, how how much of a collection that you had? Because you're the, you actually also reached out to me um, when I posted about the basketball cards, and um, you had so many uh, you had a lot of information on like how to get autographed and and just a bunch of different things like that. So um, so when did you start cre- uh, collecting cards, and how did you get into that hobby? Well, I I think I was about thirteen when I when I started collecting cards. So okay. my card collecting goes back thirty you know thirty years. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, but you know it. The the thing with cards now, it's not now they have, um, they have pieces of jerseys or pieces yeah. of game used basketballs, you know, mm-hmm. you know, fun stuff like that, <laughs> and some even have uh, autographs on them already. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. So how how did you get into it? So was it just something that you kind of just picked up, or like you you got interested in trying to collect a certain player, or how what how did that kind of come along? I, I, what I think for me, what it what it did was is that I tried to get more than what my friend had. <laughs> okay, just, just, yeah. to, just to get the numbers up. That's, yeah, that's all. Yeah, it was. okay, got that's it. all it was. Because my, my my friend would always brag about how many he had, and uh, and I had. Okay, <laughs> I need to get. I need to step up my game and get more. That I don't is care who funny. they are. The game within the game. That is funny. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> like I just said um, earlier, was that how you kind of told me about the autograph thing and. I don't know if you could let the listeners mm-hmm. know about the process that you shared to me and how you were able to get some of the players' past and present um, autographs. Well, there, there's two processes that I that I go by. One is in person. Mm-hmm. If I get to the arenas early enough, in, in the right atmosphere, like you said before. Yeah. If I get there early enough, you know, park myself by you know by the by the player the team tunnel, and hopefully there'll be players that are that are signing autographs that way yeah um the other way the other way i've been been getting them is uh is sending my request through the mail Mm. and there's a uh there's a uh a community uh facebook page on autographs excuse me retrieving autographs that way Mm. you know we get them through their agents Mm -hmm. the teams they play for the teams they work for you know places like that and sometimes you know I, i I'll send out requests and may not see them for days, mm-hmm. you know, for returns. 
sometimes I'll get them back and nothing gets signed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll get an em- uh, empty envelope back, <laughs> you know, but, um, sometimes I will, I, I always anticipate that I'll never see the card again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the longest I've waited for one to come back was seven years. Wow. I sent wow. one seven years ago and it came back because you know what I usually do is I, I date the return envelope that's, that's coming back to me. And I can, and I know the date that I, that, that I sent the date that I sent it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's my longest wait is seven years. Wow. Wow. That's, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> With all that, who's who are some of the most notable cards that you have, and then who are some of the most notable cards that you have autographed? Uh, notable cards that I have, of course, uh, you know who doesn't have Michael Jordan, <laughs> Kobe Bryant, LeBron James in in their collection. Yeah. You, know, you know, I also have Larry Bird and Magic, just just to name a few. Yeah. But among this, among the ones that are signed, of course, you know I love my Pacers, <laughs> and you know, of course, you know that I have. Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, Malcolm nice. Brogdon right off the bat. But nice. some of the other notable ones that I have signed uh, among past and present players are Reggie Miller, okay. Scotty Pippen, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Switch over to the to the WNBA. I have uh, Brianna Stewart, oh, wow. Elena Deladon, uh, awesome. Diana Taurasi, Cheryl Swoops, uh, just to name a few of those players. And then some of today's players like Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jimmy Butler, Bradley Beal, and Paul George. So, wow. but I've also gotten I've also gotten some wow. coaches too who have signed cards for me, like uh, Gino Auriemma, okay, Eric Spolstra, who you and I know is yes, you know, half Filipino. Yep. Uh, Frank it. Vogel, who just I'm sorry, Frank Vogel, who just you know won the title with mm-hmm. the Lakers, and Rick Carlisle, Doug Collins, and Phil Jackson, just to name a few. Wow, awesome! Even Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So with with this collection, is it something that you want to sometime in the future, whenever it may be, like sell, or is it something that you're just you're just like completely collecting and just it's just for um, the fun of it? I'm just gonna collect it and, and just for the fun of it. Awesome. You know? Awesome. Just just trying to outnumber my friends. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm gonna say, and also that's that's a pure basketball junkie right there, just for the love of it, just getting <laughs> just getting those cards. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Absolutely. So speaking a little bit more, and we kind of you kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, so this breaking barriers basketball, this organization is all about um, overcoming adversity and breaking barriers. And and your story with your heart transplant is a unique one that I feel um, is not only important, but the listeners would love to hear as well. Um, can you kind of walk the listeners through your journey with that whole process? Oh uh, yeah. Um, in March of two thousand and ten. I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure and I was told that I needed a heart transplant. Mm -hmm. But until that happened, they said that they were going to implant a left ventricular assist device or otherwise known as a heart pump Mm -hmm. uh, to be implanted in me. And what that pump does is that it's attached to the left side of my heart and there's a power cord that's attached to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, I hope not, I'm not grossing anybody out <laughs> here, but the, the the power cord came out of the right side of my abdomen. Okay. And, that, and then the cord would be connected to a controller and two battery packs. Mm-hmm. 
So I'll, if you if you so if you saw me walking around with it, yeah, you, you could have sworn I had like 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 Batman's utility belt on <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. But uh, you know it's you know I was literally walking around you know and living as a as a half man half machine. Mm. I remember you and posted. The, I remember you posted like yeah. a uh, it was like a memory where you were just kind of. Um, like thankful but also like happy that you don't have to wear anymore but like you, the whole process of like not having to i think it was something like the batteries or i forget what it was but you were just like you're just kind of thankful that thankful that it worked of course but that um that you don't have to you know like we just say carry that thing around all the time but yeah because the thing is is that there were some other things that came along with it too mm. uh from a physical standpoint there was some things that i could not do you know with with that with that hard pop. Yeah. Um, I also had to, you know, deal with the fact that I didn't have a pulse mm. because the machine, the machine acted as my pulse. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, so what I had, you know, I was on 20 different medications, including blood thinners. Mm-hmm. So that meant, you know, no green leafy vegetables. And, you know, I love my uh, Greek salads and, yeah. and then my spinach and, and all that. And, you know, I still have, you know, the scar tissue from the weekly blood test that they did on me mm. for, mm-hmm. for all that time. So I had the, the heart pump implanted on, in me on April 21st of 2010. Okay. Wow. And then I had it and then I had it until January 19th of 2019. Wow. When I had my transplant. So that's. So if you add it up, that's 3,195 days I was living with that heart pump. Wow. That is that is a, a, a pretty crazy stat. My goodness. Um, what was what was what was it kind of like as far as was there ever a time like towards the latter part as far as that whole that whole time where you were kind of just used to it and it was just kind of it was just kind of you or was it every day was it just like uh just you know something to still try to get adjusted to what was that whole uh mental mental state like well that that you know was quite like tricks on my mind Mm. because i just didn't know what was going to happen i was scared that the machine was going to malfunction oh yeah or if there was going to be any blood clots Mm. that would result in that uh, or I'd run out of battery power. Mm. So the, but you know, I, you know, being a ba- you know basketball, what it did is that it helped me develop a routine. Mm-hmm. So I had to have a routine with that. Well, I had that uh, heart pump, and I had to you know have a routine of when to take my meds, mm-hmm. when to change the power packs on my batteries, mm. when to sterilize. The, the drive line, which is that cord that I talked about. Yeah. And I had to sterilize that area where they, you know, from the side of my ab that, that, that it came out of. Mm-hmm. So, but once that became routine, you know, I got used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, taking a cha- a shower was a challenge. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because the, the machine, the machine that was outside of me that I, that was attached to, I had to put it in a waterproof shower bag. Mm, gotcha. So, and then, and then after that, I had to sterilize the, the drive line, and you know, so so a, 
you know, what would be a quick shower for me at that time would take about 45 minutes. Wow. You know, from, from start to finish, mm-hmm. you know, and, but it became, it became routine. I got used to it. Um, then it became nothing. But nowadays, you know, a quick shower for me, five minutes and I'm done. There you go. There <laughs> you I'm go. Grateful. <laughs> I'm, great, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, for sure. I'm also grateful that, uh, I'm also grateful that I can finally tuck my shirt in all the way around. Wow. Yeah. It's little things for sure. For sure. Yes, sir. So with all that, how are you, how, how's, uh, how's everything going now? I know, I know I see you, um, at the gym almost pretty much every morning from what I see you shooting your free throws. How are you feeling nowadays? Uh, I'm feeling great. Um, you know, I feel like, uh, like I did, you know, before, before I got sick, mm-hmm. uh, but, but, you know, but 50 pounds lighter. Yeah. Than I was at yeah. this time last year. There you go. That's awesome. So that 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 helps too. Um, but, but I'm grateful for I'm grateful for this. Um, that's that's about the best way I can describe it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just grateful that I'm feeling the way I am right now. For sure, for sure. Um, with all that and all the uh, the journey that you kind of just expressed. Do you have any advice for someone? Kind of maybe not necessarily going through the same thing as you, but or the exact same thing as you, but maybe someone who, you know, who's, who's kind of can, can kind of get some advice as far as maybe their own type of journey. Well, there, there, you know, going back to people with in the same condition I'm in, there, there's over 200,000 people in this country that have the heart pump. Mm, wow. And, you know, I, and I talk to a lot of them, you know, every, every so often, you know, through uh, Facebook pages mm-hmm. or, or uh, Instagram. Yeah. But the best advice I can give to someone is that, you know, sometimes life can deal you a bad hand, mm-hmm. but it's up to you to make the most out of that hand, no matter what cards are dealt. Mm. Yep. And I had to be patient. I had to understand what my limitations were and try to make more positives out of negatives. Yeah. Perfect. I love that. I definitely love that, and I can I can already tell even from that that your mental toughness, your mental state is probably one that cannot be. Um, I wouldn't. I'm not sure if broken is the right word, but like your mental toughness is probably as as strong as anyone else that I can think of, or even not think of. Like that's that's per, that's pretty amazing um, to to see and hear you persevere through all that. I, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. Uh, so moving on to our next topic, um, something that, like, I talked about how you've been um, when living in Indiana or Indianapolis and how basketball was a big part of your life, and then um, being a coach, so being a, being a basketball coach is a big part of your life. When did you realize that you wanted to become a basketball coach? I'll be honest with you, I had no interest in it. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest with you, and but you know what I ha- what happened is that um, I was approached uh, by the athletic director at St. Gregory's at the time, mm-hmm. who, who said that hey, we need a coach at, for this boys team. Would you be willing to do it? Mm-hmm. And I told him I said I don't have any coaching experience <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, and. Uh, and he said, he said, no problem, no problem. We'll take you on anyway. So <laughs> probably, probably is that because, is that because they knew how much of a, a basketball like fan and junkie you were, or was it just, 
how did that kind of come along? Like, how did they know to to bring that up to you? Well, my my sister was playing in the uh, Catholic league at the time. Okay. And they and then they would see me, you know, during practice. You know, I would just shoot on the side basket while they were practicing. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess that's I guess that's how that that came about. Gotcha. So, gotcha. but uh, yeah, but you know, probably probably halfway through that first season is that when I started to get when I started to get hooked onto it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's awesome. So my next question was going to be, have you always wanted to become a coach? But we already heard that answer. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what kind of led you into coaching the girls' side of the game? Was that was that the first kind of you just got that position and they kind of just led one thing to another to another? Or was that was the girls' game kind of something that you kind of um, admired more a little bit? Or what, what, what was that process like? Well, it started out with with my sister playing uh, at Catholic High. Okay. And um, the uh, you know let you know Larry Bowman was was the coach at the, at that time when girls basketball was a fall sport. Mm. Oh wow. And and um, I you know I, I volunteer assisted with him until my sister graduated and I I stuck around. Yeah. Um. Because what it what was what it was that uh, you know the girls' season was happening in the fall, and then I could coach the boys in the winter. Okay, and so, so timing just worked. Yeah, and then when I think like about four years in is when you know girls' basketball became a winter sport. Mm-hmm. So I had to you know develop you know devote more time to my boys' team. Yeah, with them understanding that you know they're going to have to come first. There's a there's a conflict, but. Yeah, you know the the great thing about that was like okay maybe you know I see something, you know with the girls game and then and I'll think to myself hmm maybe I can apply this to my boys team mm-hmm. maybe adjust it here and there. Yeah. So I learned a lot of things you know just watching you know Larry coach mm-hmm. uh, the girls. Yeah. During those years. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and you kind of talked about Coach Larry Bowman. Uh. Uh, as far as learning under him, um, who are some of the coaches that you admire throughout these years? Um, does it matter what level that they coach at? No, doesn't doesn't matter what level, and even if it's different aspects of the game, like X's and O's, skill development, off the court relationships, anything. Just, um, just kind of something to pick your mind, or to so I can pick your brain a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the coaches that that I've admired, you know, first in, in the, on the women's side are. Tara Vanderveer and Lynn Dunn. Okay. Uh, Tara Vanderveer is the coach at Stanford. Lynn Dunn used to be the coach at Purdue. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then Larry Brown uh, coached at uh, Kansas and all around the NBA, yeah. including in, including Indiana, I might add. <laughs> and then um, and then uh, someone that you and I probably know. Uh, Mike T. Bolt, the coach of the Washington Mystics. Okay, yep, exactly. So the, those are some coaches when I think about, you know, the way that they coach and go about their business mm-hmm. are people that, that I've admired. So speaking before um, this podcast and this conversation, we were kind of talking about um, the importance of relationships with your, your athletes and your team. Um, can you kind of talk mm-hmm. about what you explained to me um, as far as the importance of that? So. For me, the 
relationships with my players off the court, you know, that's how you develop a strong foundation of trust with your players Mm -hmm. because your players trust you to help them to be better basketball players, Mm -hmm. to be there if your players have questions or need your help and to protect their safety and well-being. Mm -hmm. You build that relationship off the court. It makes the relationship on the court easier Mm. and, you know, and, and then, and they never forget you for that. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, you know, you, you mentioned relationships, you know, I, another coach that, that I've been admired by because of his relationship with his players is Brad Stevens, Mm -hmm. you know, the former Butler coach, this Celtics coach now. And from what I gather is that, He's a, he's a great communicator Mm. and that's a, that's a skill that I often hear about that, that what he's great at Mm, and he has great relationships with the people he works with and his players. And it seems, it seems like it's always a positive, it's a positive relationship with anybody that, that he works with. Yeah, for sure. No, that's, that's a great way to put it. I couldn't have said that, that better myself. Um, And speaking of, Coaches up in the Northeast over there, um, I've seen you post pictures and and memories like I just talked about as far as being um, going to uh, UConn and going to practices and even that story you told me when we were at practice that one time with uh, Coach Gino. Um, what type of impact has he had on your career, whether it be directly or indirectly? Well, from afar and from the few times I met with him, about two minutes, two minutes each. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've learned from him that it's not just about basketball. It's mm-hmm. about life. Yeah. And it's teaching life lessons through, through basketball. Mm-hmm. And it's also getting my players to understand that what's happening now is to help them understand that that's what can come in the future. Yeah. For instance, like if they're too tired to play, what's the worst thing that can happen? they lose a game, you know, and not, and not much can happen after if you, if you lose a game, mm-hmm. you know, nothing serious, but if they're too tired to do their schoolwork or they're too tired to do their jobs or whatever their profession is, the consequence, the consequences are worse than losing mm-hmm. a game. Mm-hmm. And through the game, you know, he, you know, we work them hard, get them tired and try to get them to focus and push through the fatigue to get the job done. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's basically, you know, just to, just to push through when the odds are against you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, when you're tired and you can't focus. Yeah. You know, yeah, no. that's, that's probably the biggest impact I've, that, that Gino has had for me indirectly, you know, just learning from watching his practices or watching videos of yeah. his talks with his team. You know, they, they, they say a lot, though. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's a great way that you put it as far as um, using, kind of using, and this is not like what this organization is really about, is um, using basketball as, as that medium, as that, as that vehicle to work on s- development skills, life skills, to use it in real life. Like you talked about. Oh, absolutely. Like, like you just talked about, um, let's say you're tired, and you lose a game, and there's not really too much consequence. Of course, we're competitors, and we want to win. 
But as far as you're tired and you don't perform well for your job, like things are going to happen. So in order to to kind of counter that, we have to learn how to um, develop that mental toughness and that drive to to uh, to work hard on the court. And what's going to happen is that's going to make give our uh, mindset the same way when we're at a job, when we're at a nine to five job or whatever we're doing. We're going to have the same mindset. Right. And that's just kind of that's. That's that's just the way that we can kind of use basketball to kind of build as far as not just on the court but off the court as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so with coaching, a lot of um, to be honest, at any level, there's a there's a lot of sacrifice you kind of have to you have to take on whether it's missing um, um, important dates, birthdays, or or waking up at five a.m. to go to practice or whatever whatever it may be. What type of personal sacrifices have you? Um, had to make throughout your years of coaching? Well, one thing is, is time <laughs> because, you know, we, none of us can get that back. And, yep. and if we love what we're doing and we're willing to put in the effort, it's going to take our time and us sacrificing our time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you just mentioned, you know, family celebrations. I've missed out on trips and reunions. Yeah. I'm just glad my I'm just glad my family was understanding about that. Mm-hmm, exactly. But I think I think the, I think also one of the worst things that I did sacrifice was my health mm-hmm. because I because you know the thing was is that you know I wasn't you know maintaining good health mm-hmm. you know throughout my time coaching mm-hmm. uh, at least at least through like the first somewhat within the first 10 or 12 years of that. Mm-hmm. And I wound up paying for it, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, no, for sure. So that's definitely. So, an so, aspect. So I, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, so when, when it comes to that, I, if you're, if you're a coach out there listening, do not sacrifice your health. I got lucky, mm. but don't ever sacrifice your health. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, that's a great way. I mean, not a great way. That's a great thing that you kind of brought up is because people don't really think about that is, when you're coaching, like I said, at any level, you you got, you got to think about practices. You got to think about team meetings. You got to think. You're always thinking about someone first. That's kind of the nature of a coach. You're always thinking about your team. You're thinking about your players. You're thinking about your assistant coaches. You're thinking about how's your family doing. There's a lot of stuff you're thinking before yourself. So that means um, you're going to go to practice and then team meeting and then work. And then so that skips a workout or like a, a, a walk or something. Or, and then that makes you skip um, preparing breakfast. So you're going to have to go eat fast food all the time. And that stuff kind of just adds up. And it, like you said, it's really important to kind of take a step back and focus on yourself. Have that time on yourself. You can you can always have time, for, um, especially as a coach. Like I said, it's our nature um, to put others before you. But don't forget to have that time for yourself and um, to kind of just in, enjoy your your moment and, and settle down and, and kind of feel your feet on the ground type of thing. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, with the sacrifices, what is an aspect of coaching that you enjoy the most? Kind of kind of the aspect where you are willing to take those sacrifices. Hmm. I think uh, that, one thing I used to do when I was at Catholic, I used to hold 6 a.m. workouts before school. Mm. And that, and I, I, I enjoyed doing that. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it was, it was fun because the, you know, the, it's quiet in the gym. Mm-hmm. 
and, you know, the, the kid gets a workout for good sweat before before school starts. You know, and and they get a lot of you know in, individual work done. Yeah, probably yeah. what we don't have time to do during during the week of practice. Exactly. Exactly. Um, another another aspect of coaching that I like, and it may not have to do with coaching, mm-hmm. is that uh, we we used to have team dinners throughout the season after away games. Yeah. Okay. So that 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 I that I really miss yeah. because I enjoyed. Um, you know, watching my players interact with each other. Yeah, those are always fun. The camaraderie. And, and how, absolutely. So sometimes what would happen is that if, if uh, I'll, you know, if the kids sit at a separate table, I tend to watch them a lot more than talking to the assistant coaches. <laughs> or, or if there's a, or if the table is set where all of us are at one table, I'm sitting right in between one of my players and one of my coaches. Mm. Just so I can hear both sides Strategic. of what's going on. Yeah. So. Yep, yep. That's but, it. But that that I think that's what I miss most. Though. Gotcha, gotcha. So so with all that being said, your journey with um with basketball and coaching all these years, um your journey with your health. What is that thing that continues that 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 drives you that continues to push you? Um, and doing what you're doing, because from what I'm seeing and talking to you and seeing um, like social media posts and stuff that you are just always going at it. You're always doing your thing. And it's something that I've always admired from afar. So um, what is that thing that that kind of just pushes you all the time? Well, I'll put it I'll put it to you. Honestly, I've been given the second chance at life with my transplant. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I want to make the most out of it. Just, you know, to keep my donor's memory alive as well. For sure. And to and to show my donor's family that, you know, I'm grateful for the gift that they gave me. Now, you know, that can that kind of puts me into overdrive a little bit because, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm also kind of trying to make up for what I missed, you know, through yeah. that almost nine year period that I had with the heart pump. But mm-hmm. I know I can't get that time back, but I've got a second chance at life to, you know, to do more things, you know, to try to help as many people as possible and and to make myself a better person. That's awesome. That is a great answer. I really, I really love that one. That is awesome. Um, so kind of switching gears to our last topic, we're going to just kind of just talk about basketball. Um, this is always a fun one that I have with my guests. It's just kind of, um, just kind of get to know you as far as the basketball side and, um, Kind of, kind of talking about that. How has basketball made you who are today? We kind of spoke on that a little bit, but how has basketball made you who you are, and uh, what has it taught you? Well, basketball does play a significant role in who I am, but for the most part, it didn't make me who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give that credit to my mother and father, primarily because of the love and support they have given me mm-hmm. throughout my life, and especially what has happened with me in the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that, it, that the game has taught me is that just in life, just in, I'm sorry, just in life, mm-hmm. just like in life, every game or situation is different mm-hmm. and that we have to adjust accordingly to it, whether it's a change in strategy or a change in attitude. And it's also taught me to control what I can control mm-hmm. and do it well. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, so kind of thinking about that, um, what has basketball kind of 
like still taught you, but you didn't necessarily think you'd you learned from it initially kind of getting into basketball. Like what is something where you kind of just step, take a step back and like, man, this really helped me because of basketball teaching me this. Like what, what's, what's, what's uh, something that comes to, comes to mind for you with that one? I think, you know, for, for me, it, it, it means that, you know, it, it's allowed me to be in a position to serve, mm. you know, mm. serve my community, Mm-hmm. Serve the the players I coach, serve the coaches that I coach with, mm-hmm. because you know it's it's been more about it's more about giving, giving to others, giving of your talent, your time, mm-hmm. and and sharing your love of the game with others. Exactly. And then leading back to a topic we we discussed, you know, in building relationships. You know, which also can go beyond basketball as well. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, and what you just said is pretty much the premise and the whole mission and the backbone of this organization, Breaking Barriers of Basketball, is using basketball um, as our way to give back to this community outreach and using this this sport is not only just a game, but it's a way to kind of change lives um, or make an impact in the lives and kind of inspire people that we can kind of um, reach out to. And another thing as far as being a coach, um, that you alluded to is something that I kind of learned from uh, Coach Ryan Richmond, who's the head coach for the Capital City Gogo, who's on this pod a couple episodes ago about being a, a servant leader. And it's kind of just exactly mm-hmm. what you just said, using our talents as far as uh, basketball talents, our knowledge, or whatever it may be, and being in this leadership role, but being as a servant to who we're being a leader for and using using us to, to kind of um, – give back and, and give to those who are, who are, who are seeking the help uh, essentially. So um, those are two great points mm-hmm. that you, that you, that you, uh, that you brought up. So with that being said, um, we kind of touched on it also, um, but the, what is the biggest adversity you've had to face with basketball uh, specifically and how did you uh, overcome it? Well, it, it, for me, it's, it's coaching with my heart pump by mm. far. Mm. Uh, I coached, I was a JV coach at Catholic for six years, uh-huh. you know, and I and, and I had that heart pump, you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's something, you know, that was overcome because my goal was to prove other heart patients who are in the same condition as I was in that they can live productive, you know, wonderful lives mm-hmm. despite the limitations set by a heart pump. Mm-hmm. And I have to give credit. I have to give credit to the athletic director that hired me, uh, Mr. Tom Kilpatrick. Mm-hmm. Um, he had he had the faith in me to uh, to lead that to lead that team, despite me having that heart pump. And also, I have to give credit to Mr. Price because he was the uh, principal of the school at the time and. I'm sure he had to give uh, Mr. Kilpatrick his blessing to hire me. So those two, I have to give credit for for having faith in me, despite my my health condition, yeah, to sure. coach the JV girls team. For sure, for sure. Um, and if you kind of if you can think of one, can you share a story for listeners in which um, you had that biggest surprise moment uh, from one of your kids? Well, you know, every every season, you know, we get we get reminders of why why we coach mm-hmm. 
and um, this was one. This is one from from one of my girls' players. Um, her her, fa- her father and I follow each other on Facebook, and a couple of years ago, her her father had posted something that he was looking at an essay that his daughter was writing about, and it got a, gave him an idea of what his daughter was thinking in her mind and she was writing about the person that she admired. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I looked at the post. He didn't mention the name. I looked at it, hit the like button and moved on. <laughs> didn't think much of it. And then like after, after our end of season uh, celebration with our team dinner, I'm about to get in my car and the father comes up to me and hands me an envelope. And uh, he said, I'll see you later this summer. Hmm. So we parted ways, and I opened up the envelope, and it's a two-page essay that this young lady wrote about a person that she admired, and it was me. Wow. And to this day, you know, to this day, I still have it. In fact, I framed it, and it's hanging on my wall right now. That is awesome. As as a memorabilia. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, and I see it every day, mm. and and it's a constant reminder of as to why why we coach, mm-hmm. and you know it that that uh, you know I had to sit there and I couldn't I couldn't move because yeah. I just could not you know wrap my head around this because I felt that that there were other people that had made that type of impact on her life well before me. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you know I don't think of myself, you know, in, you know, in that, in that realm, because, you, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I think about what, what, you know, what others have done for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and and they and they've known her a lot longer than I have. <laughs> but you know, I just try, you know, you know, all I do is just, you know, just try to be the best coach I can be. Hopefully, I'm being, you know a positive influence, but not thinking of being mentioned in, a, in an essay like that. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. That's, that's an awesome story. And that kind of, that kind of brings to the point that no matter what level at being a coach, you have to kind of understand the role that you're playing in the athlete, the individual, the team, um, their life, whether it's little league, whether it's middle school, high school, college, professional, um, one thing that I've realized in speaking to other teammates and other colleagues about um, like being an athlete growing up is like you remember all your coaches. You remember the impactful things that happened, whether it was when you were uh, five years old playing t-ball and what your coaches told you or you're um, playing high school ball and what your coaches kind of um, kind of taught you and things like that. Like you're always going to remember the life lessons and, and the things that you've learned um, from your coach, no matter the age, sport, whatever it was. And, um, that's, that's an awesome thing to hear. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be coaching a five-star high school athlete to make an impact. Like it can be, it can be any level, any sport, any skill level. Um, and that's, 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 that's a great story. I, I'm really, um, I, re- I really appreciate you sharing that one. Oh yeah, you know the thing. The thing that I learned from uh, someone I considered my uh, life coach and a mentor. His name is Bobby Plump. Mm-hmm. 
And for those who do not know Bobby Klump, uh, if you know the movie Hoosiers, <laughs> Bobby Klump is the guy who actually hit the game-winning shot to win the state championship in 1954. Mm. For the, uh, and it wasn't Jimmy Chitwood. <laughs> but uh, I, t- I talked to Bobby Klump a lot, especially in the fall time just before I go into coaching a season. And he, he always told me that if a coach is only known for their wins and losses, then the coach isn't doing their job. Mm-hmm. So that, and that, and that really hit home because mm-hmm. now I just don't want to be known for just wins and losses. Yep. Yep. You know, I, I just want to be known as someone who's just a good person to the, to these kids. Exactly. exactly. I'll, be, I'll be happy with just that. So. Yep, exactly. Um, when we were kind of talking before this podcast, and you and you told me about that line, I was like, "Man, that's that's definitely one that I'm going to be stealing for the future." Um, um, and and it was kind of funny because you made a joke at the end talking about how we pretty much steal everything from everyone, so <laughs> it all just oh, works yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so being part of the girls' game and and um, like you just said or what you said earlier about. Um, watching sister play and kind of getting on that side of of the basketball as far as the girls game. Um, what does it mean to see the what does it mean to you seeing the WNBA finally getting its recognition recognition that it deserves today? Well, I'll be honest with you, I it's come a long way, mm-hmm. but it still has a long way to go. Oh yeah, um, sure. I, I I'm a fan, I'm a fan of the WNBA and. You know, I get excited about their games as I do NBA games. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good basketball players, you know, that are in that league. And I don't know, for some reason, the average fan just can't get into that for, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the league is important, you know, to show young girls who want to achieve, you know, being a professional basketball player that it can be done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to see that, you know, they're getting recognized now, you know, is great, but there's still a lot more to be done. Mm-hmm. How, I, I, I honestly don't know how that's going to happen. I mean, I mean, I don't know what else play, can players do. They're doing great things out there. They're yep. doing a lot yeah. of great things that, you know, that I couldn't even imagine myself doing <laughs> yep. out there, so... But I'm just I'm just glad that you know I'm seeing that there are girls that are into the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and what's great to see is now that I mean social media helps a lot. You can kind of just um, blast whatever whatever's happening in the world, and that it it uh it, the good thing is that WNBA is getting blasted through all the social media stuff, um, and it, mm-hmm. it's kind of inspiring the younger generations of girls that maybe who didn't know about girls basketball until now or this past couple of years, seeing it kind of flourish kind of similar to like, um, team USA girls, uh, team USA women's soccer, inspiring many generations of young girls and young athletes doing what they're doing. And, um, hopefully, oh, hopefully it's just a, a continuous kind of pattern that kind of goes, um, and doesn't stop kind of like on the, on the guy side of everything. So, um, so yeah, yeah. You know, one one of the things I I used to do when I was at as that when I was at Catholic is that I would, in, you know, talk to the girls about you know Utah women's basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted I wanted them to see it, 
and, and experience it. So we were we were lucky to see a couple of games, mm-hmm. including making the trip up to Connecticut to watch yeah, them play. That's awesome. And then going to the to the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, up in Massachusetts, which is kind of in the neighborhood of the University <laughs> of Connecticut, but. But, uh, you know, the, I wanted them to also see that there were women in, in the Nation of Basketball Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, not, and, not, and not just who, you know, we expect to see there, like, like Michael and Magic and Larry and all yeah, those guys. Exactly. But people like Pat Summit and Carol Blazjowski and Rebecca Lobo, mm-hmm. you know, them doing, you know, them achieving great things in basketball. And, and if the girls want to, they can, they can do that too. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. That's great. Uh, so kind of speaking about the NBA and the WNBA, who was your favorite player in the NBA and WNBA uh, growing up, so in the past? Well, let's see. Well, in the NBA, of course, it was Reggie Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie, Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan. Michael, uh, Michael Jordan was one of, your, one of your favorites during that time? Yeah. In fact, you know, I, I, here's how I got into like in Michael Jordan, too. Oh, okay. But when we were go- when I was growing up in Indianapolis, we didn't have cable TV, so uh-huh. the Pacer games were on local television. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, our antenna would catch the Chicago channel. Okay, yeah. And I could see, and and, the, and sometimes the Bulls would be playing that night. And it's could, like that and WGN or some that WGN was it? Yeah, was it WGN? Yeah, okay. Yeah, WGN. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's, that's how so that's how I got to see, you know, Michael Jordan play. And I remember, you know, asking my dad, I said, Dad, you've got to see them when they come down here to <laughs> Indianapolis. So he got us tickets and the thing was that we had to back then we had to go to a Ticketmaster outlet mm-hmm. you know, and buy tickets and the and the seating map that they had available was on paper, so you had, had everything <laughs> crossed out and all that. Yeah, wow, okay. But when I, when I, and my dad got us great seats, and the thing about that was, you know, I'm seeing, you know, Michael standing there warming up, and he's got the Air Jordans on, and, then, <laughs> and, and you're kind of like in awe. Yeah. And, but uh, the great thing about that game, the great thing about that game, you know, Michael Jordan had a, 44-point triple-double, but the Pacers won the game. There you go. Best <laughs> of both worlds right there. So I got the best of both worlds that <laughs> night. So. But, yeah, de- definitely definitely uh, Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan were two of my favorites growing up. Okay. Um, the, the WNBA wasn't around at that time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those two guys, I, I've seen Larry and, and Dominique play in person. So Awesome. Those are among my favorites. Awesome. From growing up. Um, so with that being said, who are some of your favorite NBA and WNBA players in today's game? Or actually your favorite, not some. Just well, maybe top one, top two, your favorites. Okay. I'm going to rephrase your question a little bit. <laughs> you know I you know I love my Pacers. Yeah. So I'm going to give you my favorite player outside of the Pacers. There you go. That That's well, funny you I'll say that because whenever my, my <laughs> wife asks me about who's my favorite NBA player, I'm like, well, my favorite non-wizard is. <laughs> so it's pretty much the same thing. Well, it's funny you should mention that, that team name because it happens to be that my favorite player outside the Pacers is Bradley Beal. Oh, wow. Awesome. It, it, it is Bradley Beal. Um, I just... I just 
you know, enjoy watching the way he he's expanded his game. Mm-hmm. The guy seems like he's like he's got an endless amount of energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he play, he plays like well over forty minutes a game, drops mm-hmm. thirty points. You know, he's dropping dimes, he's getting rebounds, he's playing defense, mm-hmm. you know. You know, that, that and, and the game seems so smooth. And one of one of the things I like is about him is that um you know, when I hear his interviews with uh, Chris Miller after a game, mm-hmm. he always he always praises his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yep, before yeah, that's and, his, and, that's and his I love answer. And I, yep, exactly. Yes, his first answer every time, and I and I love hearing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, I've had I've had a few few chances to interact with him besides okay. him asking for for his autograph. But yeah. you know, he, he seems like he's a really nice uh, stand up guy. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, he's my favorite player. Uh, in in the WNBA, I ha- I have uh, I have three that I really like. Okay. And that's Bri- Brianna Stewart. Okay. Elena Deladon, and Sabrina Ionescu. So DC is getting love in both of them. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I I saw Deladon play in college. Yeah. And back when when she was CAA. in college. Mm-hmm. Delaware. In the CAA, mm-hmm. Old Dominion was still in the CAA at the time, so okay. I saw her four times a year down here. Oh, there you go. Nice. So I made it, made it, made it a point. You know, I had to see her play because, you know, she's a phenomenal basketball player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I did like this, the Sabrina. I'm, a, I'm a big Ducks fan, Oregon fan, because I'm a big Nike fan, and, um, Nike and Oregon <laughs> are pretty much synonymous. So, uh, uh, oh yeah. Um, Ionescu is uh, one of my favorites, and she's just she's just getting started, which uh, which I'm excited to see her career um, go on. With yeah. That. So, kind of speaking more on the NBA, how do you feel about the change in the gameplay from um, the older generations of the NBA, maybe that Michael Jordan, Reggie Miller era, um, to kind of what it is today, and then like the eras in between? What are your What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, well, having seen both both styles of play you know of course today's game is a, is a faster you know more up-tempo game mm-hmm. not so much of a post game anymore unless today's game is a less physical i'm sorry less physical game than it was mm-hmm. you know back then yeah definitely um i mean sometimes i'll i'll watch an old game on youtube and i'm watching defenders hand check the ball handler mm-hmm I was like, man, you, that's a foul nowadays. <laughs> yeah. You know, and what we call a flagrant foul today was a common foul. You know, was, was a common foul back <laughs> yeah. then. So, so when the Detroit Pistons, you know, the bad boys teams, you know, were going up against like, you know, like Michael Jordan or, yep. or Larry Bird, you know, they just threw them on the floor, a little <laughs> cheap shot here and there. Oh, you know, no foul there, or you know, just you know, take the ball out on the side. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I remember yeah. I think there was a clip I saw where like Kareem Abdul Jabbar like straight up punched I forget who it was, like punched him in the face and the rest were there and they just called a common foul and it was just like, All right, yeah, like you said, ball on the sideline, let's take it out. I was like, Whoa <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I think I, I think there's something that could top that. Um I'm not sure if you if you've heard of uh Robert Parrish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Oh the like the well, one two punch he did? Yeah, the one-two punch he did on Bill Lambert. One, mm-hmm. I was happy with it because I could not stand <laughs> Bill Lambert. But, 
but um, the fact that he wasn't called for anything. Oh, I did not know that part. That's like, <laughs> no, he was not called for a, a technical foul. Was not called for a, a, any kind, any kind of, any kind of foul. <laughs> wow, that I did but not know did, about. But he did, but he did, but he did get suspended for the next game, though. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty interesting how that works out. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so with that being said, what was kind of your what is your favorite era of the NBA like time period as far as now or like the nineties, two thousands, two thousand tens? Like where where do you kind of feel that uh, you are most intrigued with it, with the NBA? I would say if I if I if I go within the ten year period, I would say it was between ninety five and two thousand five. Okay. Because there there was a lot of good basketball during that time. I mean, yeah, the game was a little was a little less physical than it was in the early '90s, late '80s. Mm-hmm. But the big man was still involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you know that to me that '95 to 2005 is like the best decade of basketball I've seen. Mm. All right, so before I let you go, we're going to go into our quick hitters. Um, these are just going to be questions I'm going to ask you and then just kind of give the first answer that kind of pops in your head. It doesn't have to be doesn't have to be a one-word answer, just just anything that kind of comes into your into your head when I when I ask the question. This should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> your first one, who is your favorite musical artist? Musical artist, I'm going to say Elvis Presley. Wow, Elvis Presley. And because one 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 thing I never get tired of watching is the nineteen sixty eight comeback special. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely enjoy that. Okay. What exactly is that? Oh <laughs> well <laughs> well for a while Elvis went on a on a hiatus. Okay. And because he had to serve in the army. And in 1968, he did a comeback special in a studio, and and it was just like a, like a small a small concert. Oh, that's awesome! It was a small concert. There was a, there was like a there was like so there were a bunch of people there. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like being in an auditorium, basically. Yeah, like more like an and, intimate and type he, of setting. Right, and it was, and he played you know his his best hits there, and. It was just the man was just magnificent in that performance. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so this kind this question kind of ties in with many of these listeners um, probably don't know. I don't think they would know if they don't know you well. Um, that you go to Chick Fil A all the time for for breakfast. <laughs> so my next question yeah. is, what is your favorite? If you only you can only pick one, your favorite Chick Fil A item on the menu, breakfast or lunch, only one. Only one. Mm-hmm. Well, I get every morning. I get a an egg scrambled bowl with uh, grilled chicken mm-hmm. with no hash browns in it. Okay. That's that that that's that's, that's the one it, right, right there. there. Okay, awesome. Yeah. What's the reason for the no hash browns? Oh, I'm just trying to cut down on starches and fat. Oh, okay. Food. <laughs> nice. Awesome. That's good. Um, so we kind of talked about the eras a little bit earlier or a few, a few moments earlier. Um, what's your favorite or who is your favorite team that you've watched of all time? Like, um, not specifically, let's say the Pacers, but what season okay, that you can kind of remember? What was that team that kind of, that is your favorite of all time? Um, 
Okay. Uh, well, it, it, it is going to be the Pacers. It's the year, it's the 2004-2005 year. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if you remember this or not. They, that was the year of the malice in the palace. Ah, okay. Got it, yeah. And, and the reason I say that is because is because that was probably the the team that that had they had they had a lot of talent that could win that could have won the East that year, but they were in every single ball game. They had a chance to win every single ball game after that incident in Detroit, mm-hmm. and and they had they were missing players due to suspensions or injuries throughout the rest of that year. Yeah, and the fact that they were just giving it everything they had, even into the playoffs, and you know they get you know they got knocked out in the second round but to me that was like the best coaching job i've ever seen anybody do by rick carlisle yep especially with those circumstances that year yep that's awesome that's a great answer um it's funny you bring that up because i remember while well it's kind of like that where were you type of moment where um i'm it was was 2004 i believe 2005 so i was in like fourth or fifth grade and i was just eating i feel like eating a snack at nighttime snack and I'm just watching the game, and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, what is happening right now? Back then, you know, there's no Twitter, there's no social media or anything, so you're just watching it all unfold mm-hmm. on live TV, and it's just like, wow, this is crazy. And what's funny is, like, you just never realize that it's going to – well, I guess it. I, I didn't realize because I was younger, but you don't really realize that it's going to be such a, like like what I just said, like where were you type of type of moment. Right. <laughs> Um, the next question is if you could have dinner with any athlete or coach dead or alive, who would it be and why? Coach? Athlete or coach. Any, said, yeah. Athlete, athlete or coach. Player or coach, it doesn't matter which one. Athlete or coach. Probably Oh, this is a this is a tough one. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot that I'd like to have yeah. that I'd like to have dinner with. Um I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Gino Ariema. Okay, awesome. because he's because he's got a great restaurant up there in, in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. a great Italian restaurant. My, my my team has eaten there before. Oh wow, awesome! So, awesome. You know, when we when we made our trips, so that's you know, the, and the food was great. So yeah, but but this time you know hopefully he'll pay. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that's a great answer because not only do you get to talk to him. Uh, and be with him during dinner, but hopefully he would pick up the check, being that it's his restaurant. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so the next question, I, I, it's just something that I kind of personally want to hear, um, and you can kind of tell from the way I worded it which two people I'm kind of thinking that you're going to choose, but I, I just want you to pick one. Uh, your favorite athlete who played or is from Indiana? Wow, there's a, there's a lot. <laughs> So it doesn't have to necessarily be basketball, then, does it? Yeah, nope, not doesn't have to be basketball. Oh, then, then that, then that makes the answer easy. It's Peyton Manning. Oh, <laughs> I was not expecting that answer. Okay, uh, wow. it's, it's Peyton Manning. I mean, I mean, how, how can you not love the guy? Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. That's awesome. That's 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 a great answer. I don't know if you could tell, but the reason why I kind of worded it was that I thought it was going to be between Reggie Miller and Larry Bird. So I was <laughs> those were the, the two ones that I was thinking about. But yeah, no, Peyton Manning. Well, that's that's but, a great answer. But that that would have been that would have been too easy for me to answer. True. I, that would have been me taking the easy way out if, yeah. if I had answered it that way. Very true. Very <laughs> true. 
All right, this last question is the question I ask all my listeners. And um, yeah, even though it's only been seven episodes, including this one, I, I'm supposed to tally the answers, but I haven't s- sat down and, and got that. But uh, for this question, um, is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, boy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say no. And what's your reasoning? Because, and, and the reason behind that is that the bun is connected, and that's just one piece of bread. Okay. A sandwich requires two pieces of bread. Okay. So my rebuttal, my rebuttal to that answer every time is a, a Subway sandwich or a steak and cheese. Are those considered sandwiches as well to you? I would call those a sub. I wouldn't call them a sandwich, though. Oh, okay. There you go. That's why I always ask the rebuttal because I always want to hear what that next answer is. And there you go. That was, that was a great one. <laughs> um, so that's all I have for, for um, as far as this conversation. It was, it was a great conversation. Um, I really enjoyed um, talking basketball with you. And, and like I said, I was really excited to have you on here to to uh, to kind of learn and kind of uh, pick your brain as far as me knowing that you're a that you're a big basketball junkie and kind of I just love hearing other people's experiences and 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 kind of their journey as far as not only their life but through basketball and um, it kind of just goes to show what what um, what basketball does not only as a game but as far as bringing people together bringing a community together um, I don't know if you remember I first reached out to you from it was it was when I first moved down here and I was trying to get a basketball um, a basketball team organized and I reached out to you because I knew mm-hmm. um, that you had all the basketball ties <laughs> and I was like man I, I gotta get I, I want to get to know him because he has the connection he knows he has the people and plus knowing that you're a big basketball fan is someone I could definitely learn from um, so I definitely appreciate you um, coming on taking the time out of your busy schedule and doing a, a during this uh, during this pandemic. Um, but before I let you go, do you have any last advice or a favorite quote that you that you kind of live by that you can give to the listeners? Well, yeah. Well, first, I'm gonna I want to thank you for uh, having me on here on your podcast. It's an honor and a privilege to to speak with you and uh, sh- to share our thoughts on, on the game that we both love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do. I do have a quote here that that I gave my teams at the end of every year. Mm. And it's the four keys to success in life that can be summed up in four words. And that's gamble, cheat, lie, and steal. Mm. So if you gamble and take your best shot, take good risk. Dare to take good risk. Life has to be a great adventure or it's nothing. Mm. Cheat those who have you believe you are less than what you are. Surround yourself with positive people, uplifting people, people who want to see you do well. Turn around and help them, and you'll truly be a champion. Mm. Lie in the arms of those you love. When it comes down to it, all we have is each other. Never take the love you give and receive for granted. And steal every moment of happiness, because we don't know the day when it will all come to an end. Mm. That's perfect. <laughs> Nothing more to say from that. That's that was that was great. Um, but thank again, thank you again, Coach Matt. Um, I appreciate you taking your time. Um, I look forward to hopefully when all this is is over and 
we're back into normalcy and and and, and healthy environment that um, we can catch up again and just talk basketball or maybe see you at ODU ODU game or something. Just just kind of reconnect and just uh, kind of keep this this friendship just going and 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 using basketball as 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 our medium and our vehicle to uh, to still to still make an impact on others. And I wish you good luck. Uh, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, you're doing great things with uh, breaking barriers basketball here. And a lot of people are going to be uh, positively impacted by, by what you do. So, and I'm sure this is going to get bigger. Thank you. You know, as, as time moves through, time goes on here. And I wish you continued success with that. Thank you, Coach. I really thank appreciate you that. Yep. All right, Coach. You have thank a great you night. for having me on. Yep. You do the same. Thank you for having me on. Yep, no problem. That concludes another episode, episode 7 of the Breaking Barriers Basketball Podcast. Again, I cannot thank Coach Matt Ferriol enough for taking the time and being a guest on our pod. With Breaking Barriers Basketball, our main mission is to give back to our community and the people around us through the game of basketball. And you can easily look at how Coach Matt represents our mission in full effect and has done so throughout these years. He continues to serve his role as a basketball coach through servant leadership and using his platform to make an impact on the people around him. Again, I'm Coach Daniel Diaz. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Coach D Diaz. And if you're not following the Breaking Barriers Basketball Instagram yet, you can follow us at Breaking Barriers Basketball. And you can also visit our website, www.breakingbarriersbasketball.com. As always, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate um, you guys as as listeners and ones who reach out to us and 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 continue to to show that love and support for us um, we appreciate you guys and thank you guys for listening